Amen. Thank you, Tudor, and the praise team here, and also to Dr. Hurd and the ensemble. Just a blessing to worship with you this morning. I'm also excited to be back up here to preach and to bring the word. We're going to be in Psalm 107 this morning. Uh, the scripture will be on the screen. I'm going to go verse by verse and then handle a chunk of verses at the end. So uh, my team up there, Heather, if you want to just leave the, the scripture up as I work through it, that would be great. Um, so that's how we're going to do it this morning. Psalm 107, and we'll start with the first line here. It says this, I give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. We've been singing a lot about that already this morning. And gratitude is an interesting thing, isn't it? Uh, this last week, my son had a rite of passage where he ran his first ever lemonade stand in the heat of the summer. And, <laughs> all right, we got a collapse for Remy on that one. Uh, my, my son is seven, and he discovered that our street is a pretty good street for a lemonade stand. You know, you can do a little bit of a drive through It's a little bit of a busy street, but it's not too fast that you can't pull over. And so on the first day, we got all our materials right, and it's so cute. You, you make the sign, and you squeeze the lemons, and you get uh, Glory involved in whatever way she wants to be involved. Uh, that's my four-year-old daughter. And uh, you go out there, and you put your sign up, and you hope somebody comes and that very first person is really important to a seven-year-old boy. Is this going to work? Uh, all this effort that he put in, is, is there business out there to find? And he discovered that not only was there business, but there was good business. And the thing that you're selling when you're selling lemonade, right, is either guilt, right, as people are driving by and they see cute children. How could they not feel guilty as they keep on driving? Some are strong enough to keep on going. Or generosity, right? Uh, those who just want to uh, love on some kids, those who want to teach kids that work is important, right? All of that good stuff. And uh, Remy discovered that this was good business, and so he was full of joy at the beginning. Of course, we all were meeting our neighbors, uh, and they're blessing us with their generosity and kindness. And, and then around day two, something else started to creep in when Glory wanted a glass of lemonade, and Remy said, uh, you're going to have to pay me for that. Because <laughs> we have a limited product here, and I need to make money. And so all of a sudden, all of that excitement, all of the, all of the goodness and generosity became normal and normalized. And then it went from becoming normalized to a feeling of scarcity to the point where now we're charging mom and dad if they want to have lemonade, even though mom and dad have been putting all the work in to get the lemonade stand going. And that's what happens, right? We forget. We forget. And sometimes it uh, takes the scriptures and this invitation from Psalm to say, get together. Get together with God's people and just just begin in this way, I give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. We forget. And one of the things that happens when we forget is we get vulnerable. 
Uh, Katie will tell you I can be a forgetful person. In fact, the other day, I got up in the morning, went out to my car, and I discovered that one of my car doors was open. You see, I had been busy getting all the kids out of the car that I had forgot to go around the corner and see if all the car doors were shut. And so, you know, maybe for the entire night, the car door was just left open, right? And when we're forgetful, we become vulnerable, and then we're scared, right? Did anybody come to the car and take anything? Uh, of course, uh, or thankfully, nothing was taken. That's good. That's a good night, right? If you make it through. But we know that being forgetful makes us vulnerable. And that's kind of the rhythm that I want us to work through. And that's why the scriptures are here saying, don't, don't forget. Don't forget who your God is. Don't forget his love endures forever. I love this word endurance, meaning that it keeps going on and on. It keeps going. You can endure anything. Think of the summation of the human experience, all that humans have experienced, and yet God's love is forever. It is enduring through all of those situations. We get caught up in the bad news of the day. We get caught up in our interpersonal dramas, whatever you brought into this space this morning, and we just tend to forget. And when we forget, we get vulnerable. And so Paul instructs the church in Philippians with this one that I think is just helpful to put in the mix here as we're thinking about gratitude. It says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen it in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I love connecting these, this teaching with this promise. Right? We don't have to change our circumstances to think in this way. We can still be in the midst of struggle, but it's where we put our attention. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is right, whatever is pure, turn your attention to those things. And the promise is that if you're willing to change your focus, then God's peace will be on you. Right? And it's not about conjuring up yourself so much as it is remembering what is already true. And so we join together, we come, and we say, I give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. And I can say that in any season, if I'm in a hospital bed, or if I've lost a job, or if I've got a promotion, whatever it is, I can say this. I give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. This is the joy of being alive and knowing that God is in charge, and he is good, and he is love. He is love. And so we can use this psalm as a framework for gratitude. It teaches us 
how we could come together as a group of people like those did thousands and thousands of years ago and recenter ourselves on the fundamental truths of who God is, what he has done, and that will help carry us into the future in a new way with new perspective. So we could come up with our own prompts for gratitude, but I think it's really wonderful to track with people that have been doing this for thousands of years through this psalm and to use their prompts, uh, the, the scripture's prompts, that, that show us ways in which we can remember to be thankful. So verse 2 says this, Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Something to be thankful for is that we have seen God intervene in our lives. Now, this is a military metaphor here, but with a sweep of scriptures, I think we're well within our rights here to think upon, yes, military victory, but also all of the foes, all of the ways in which the enemy wants to take us out. Right? We, could, we could think about our personal experience, the foes that stand before us. Some of the prompts would look like discouragement, sickness, addiction, anger, anxiety, resentment, bitterness, violence, abuse, poverty. These are all works of the enemy. God is for human flourishing, and so the things that come against human flourishing are a very real foe. And these foes, if we think about them enough and we focus on them, we need to face them. But if we only think about that, we can get really overwhelmed, can't we? And I think discouragement is the thing that creeps in. We, we as a people, have been through a very trying season. And we can think about our individual ways in which maybe at times we just felt discouraged. And that discouragement, the forgetting that leads to discouragement, then makes us vulnerable to being ensnared or trapped. Right? Because we forget who God is, we get lost in our despair, and then we start doing things, we start acting in ways out of our fear and our discouragement that get us entangled, as the writer of Hebrews says, in sin. We get caught up in all kinds of bad behaviors and choices that are destructive for us, and, and we end up in a place we don't want to be. Right? But even when that happens, we see the psalmist. It, he reminds us that God doesn't get discouraged. When we're caught up in the things of this world, he remains faithful. When we doubt... He believes in us. When we get overwhelmed and want to give up, he has fresh legs. He's just getting started. Isaiah 40 frames it in a way that is so profound, this vivid imagery, you may know it. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. If you're in this church and you have been redeemed, 
if you have been freed from very real foes or some foe that I didn't list. And I know some of you have because you've told me. And I've journeyed on this journey with you of redemption. And we know you're still a work in progress, just like I am. But you can see here that the invitation is to not hesitate to speak of those ways in which God has redeemed you. As you share your story, as you speak of the ways that you have defeated very real foes in your life, what can happen is that a spirit of encouragement will take the place of discouragement. Our young people need to see that as we follow the Lord, that he will renew our strength and that this is a way, this is a way through challenging times. It is an encouraging thing to meet those who share their story and tell their testimony and say through thick and thin that God got me through. This is a community resource of the church that you cannot find anywhere else, and it's been happening for a long time. People got together and they said, we face some real foes, and God got us through. I've been in some jams in my life. I've cried some tears. I've been on my knees, and I didn't know where to go or what to do. And I can honestly tell you that the only reason why I'm standing here today is because of God's work on my behalf. He's taken my half-hearted offerings, my weakness, and through the spirit of redemption, he's made beauty a possibility for me, the ability to stand here, to preach the gospel, to understand his word, to be encouraged by the community of faith. These are not just stories. These are realities. These are the things that get us through. And uh, let's take a moment to just learn something interesting from the text here in verse 3. It says this, Those he gathered from the lands from east and west, from north and south. This is a, what they call a post-exilic psalm. Meaning this is a song of praise for people that have been discouraged, disbanded. They have been in struggle and exile. And now God has drawn them again back together. From lands of east and west, north and south. And in fact, this is a response to Psalm 106. So we're doing Psalm 107 and Psalm 106 is a, a brutal and long psalm about all of the ways in which Israel lost its way. But then at the end of Psalm 106, it says this, Save us, Lord, our God, and gather us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. This is a people that have just discovered that they're going to be disbanded, that they're going to be conquered and scattered 
and oppressed. And yet their prayer is that God's faithfulness would continue and that one day where they would see a day again where they would come together and praise God. And that's what we just read, was that their prayer was answered. The prayer of Psalm 106 is answered in Psalm 107 as he gathered the people from the east and west and north and south and they returned again with this spirit of gratitude. After our long season of struggle again, they have the joy of being together. It feels resonant to me. It feels resonant that, that now together we can come again and be together and share in a way that we didn't before. Okay, the last few verses here. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. These images are so vivid. Desert wastelands, hunger and thirst. Nobody wants these things. They are not easy and they are not comfortable. And perhaps the most vivid word here is the word ebbed. This poignant image seems really consistent with the human experience of discouragement. How many people can we say it seems as though their life is ebbing away? Meaning that it doesn't happen in one fast moment, one quick moment like that. It happens over a series of choices over time where just gradually the light grows dim. Just gradually the walls go up. And what was once vibrant and vital is now withered away. It's glum. It has ebbed and faded away. But the good news is, if that's your experience today, you are not at the end of something. But it could be the beginning of something new and better. And it all begins with prayer. Maybe just the one word prayer, help. We see it here. This is what the people of God did in their distress. Their their lives ebbed away, but then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. Maybe it's just help and then learning how to wait on the Lord. This story reminds me of the story in the Gospels where Peter sees Jesus walking out on the water. And he's so encouraged by this scene, this incredible scene that his teacher, the one he's chosen to follow, is now doing something so profound and powerful. And to the Jewish mind, the waters of the sea meant chaos and 
in a way, Jesus was walking out on the water in the midst of the chaos, and he was bringing peace. And so this would have had this holistic beauty to it, a stunning realization to Peter. And he, he liked it so much. He was so encouraged by it at the beginning, right? When he's in that boat, all the other disciples are like, oh, no, that's, that's way too much. But Peter was like, it's time for me. I got to do this. It's time for me to go. And so he goes out onto the water, and you know the story that he gets a few steps out towards Jesus, who says, come and follow me. And then he gets distracted by the wind and the waves, and he sinks. But yet that hand goes up, doesn't it? In his sinking, in his moment of failure, his hand goes up and he says, help. And Jesus rescues him. Sometimes I think we get into a mode where we're, we, we start thinking that what we're defined by is our successes. And we think we earned them, right? We think that we did it whatever it is, to get where we are at. And yet, in this moment, we see Peter in his most vulnerable moment, rescued by the help of the Lord. And I believe that when he's in heaven, the story that he is telling is not all of the great things that he did to build the church later. He may tell that one later. But the first story he will tell you is that he experienced the help of Jesus and that made him who he is. People with unique talent understand this. I was watching an interview uh, with a woman who was, is the fastest woman in the world, broke a world record in the hurdles. And when she was interviewed about how she ran so fast, she didn't say one word about all of the excruciating training that she had done. She just said, God helped me run today. You see, that's an expression of gratitude. That's a recognition of the fundamental reality of God's gift to us, of the heart in our chest, of the breath in our lungs, of all of the comforts that we get to experience in this place and a declaration that what defines us more than anything else is God's help in our lives. The writer Eugene Peterson puts it this way. He says, we speak, of our words, or we speak our words of praise in a world that is hellish. We sing our songs of victory in a world where things get messy. We live our joy among people who neither understand nor encourage us. But the content of our lives is God, not humanity. We are not scavenging in the dark alleys of the world, poking in its garbage cans for bare subsistence. We are traveling in the light toward God, who is rich in mercy and strong to save. It is Christ, not culture, that defines our lives. It is the help we experience, not the hazards we risk, that shape our days. 
What if we just gathered together and told stories of how the Lord helped us? What kind of witness would that be to the world? You can just hear them. I was a poor fisherman going nowhere in a small town, and each day seemed to blend into the next with no real distinction. But then God showed up. I was a thief and a betrayer of my own people. I was so ashamed that I climbed up into a tree. But then God wandered into my neighborhood, pointed up into that tree, and he said, come down, you're going to spend time at my table today. I was tortured in mind and spirit, living a life of adultery. And then God showed up and showed me I don't have to live that way anymore, but I can be wholly new. And then they all get together and they say, in case you were wondering, that was Peter, Zacchaeus, and the woman caught in adultery. And then all of the disciples maybe gathered together in heaven And they tell the story. We were all devastated. We watched him die. And with it, all of our hopes and dreams were shattered. But then on the third day, God showed up. Jeremiah 9 says this, Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. So maybe today you showed up and you knew you need the Lord's help. Well, you are in the right place. Maybe you felt like you were at the end of your rope and you can just let it out. Just let out your hearts, cry, God, would you help me? And then learn how to wait on the Lord. Or maybe you came in, you felt like things were good, like everything was going okay. I want to invite you then to step out into risk, to look at the resources of your life, And to ask, have I been in a jam for a while where the only thing that could get me out would be the work of God and not some work of my own strength? And would you learn how to get out of the boat and make yourself vulnerable and be in places where God has to rescue you so that your life can be defined by God's help and you would know my life is marked by God's help. And then we can come together, and this can become a corporate reality in our midst. God's help isn't a private experience. It is what he gives all of us here at the church collectively together. And it is why we celebrate. So I'm going to invite you now, um, if you would like, uh, we're all going to close our eyes and bow our heads, and I'm going to pray a prayer for us of help, and if you wish uh, to just have a a physical sign that you want to receive the Lord's help today, would you open your hands just like this as we pray and receive from the Lord his help? Would you pray with me? O Lord my God, you are our refuge and strength. 
You are our ever-present help in times of trouble. When it seems like our world is crumbling around us and we are thrown around by the storms of our lives, take away our fear. When we are weak, you are our strength. When we are vulnerable, you are our refuge. When we cry for help, you answer us. Remind us, Lord, that you are always here and you will never leave nor forsake us. We pray all this in your powerful name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.